Hey, welcome back to Grow Through What You Go Through. It's me, Courtney, and I'm 100% doing a Lazy Girl podcast. You should see my setup right now. I'm literally sitting in my recliner with my blanket on next to my space heater and not at my normal spot where I record just because I kind of felt this week's been hard. And I know I've been saying that a lot in a lot of episodes, but this week has been hard and I almost didn't want to do this anymore. But that's not fair to myself or anyone that listens, but specifically myself, because I work so hard to do this, and I really want to owe it to myself, and it actually is helpful once I start talking, and once I get into the mood, just like any other thing. I know when people start, like, working out or anything of that nature, like, once you get going, you're going. So I'm going to do it, lazy girl style. So this episode I kind of wanted to have a like a light conversation but also put in some twists of mental health and all that fun stuff into it and just have a fun topic because it's something that I'm currently looking inward about and what I've been focusing on this entire year and that is relationships in this generation dun dun if I had copyright to the SVU dun dun that's where I put it So, and I know that a lot of people discuss relationships and how the generation is in general, but because there's so many opinions, I figured I would put in mine too. Sprinkle a little bit of my experience and view it from a social work therapy approach, but also connect it to what I've been currently going through this year on my journey, what I've been diving into, and then kind of talk about how you know, some, I do want to talk about kids dating in this generation too, because that's been a topic of this week that I'm struggling with at work. And then also kind of going into, I'm all mixed up over here, but talking about how we can help ourselves in looking through these issues as adults at the end of this, I want to definitely focus on how to help ourselves grow what I've learned, things to look into as a person in the dating realm, and yeah, go from there. I'm a little spacey, stay with me, comment, or I mean, don't leave comments for me this week, please. Anyways, so from a social work therapist approach, every generation has been different when it comes to dating or marriage and we've seen so much change within the past like 70 years from my great grandma's generation up until now I've seen so much even familiar in my family that I've seen such dynamics and how generational traumas kind of leak in through each person but also what has changed in each decade I'm only going to speak on the ones that I actually have seen firsthand in my own family experiences, but I know that a lot of people can relate if they talk to their family members and they actually get to know each relationship in their family on a deeper level. I know that for my great-grandma's generation, when she had met my great-grandpa, it was so much easier. It was attraction by proximity. They lived across the street from each other. Obviously, there wasn't social media. There wasn't 
you know, at, online, there wasn't, you, you would say in your local town, there wasn't much travel. You wouldn't meet someone traveling or else that would lead to long distance. And that's harder to do when there wasn't much communication via anything. I mean, they had phones, but why, when you could just find your person in a small town, right? So attraction by proximity is being near someone so much that you start to find them attractive, that you start to to have deeper connections you want to form a deeper connection with somebody and obviously they found each other in the neighborhood literally across the street and in that generation I think they were I remember her telling me this before she passed this year that they (laughs) so cute I loved her she would light up when she would talk about my great my great grandpa and how they were so young I think they were like 18 18 19 maybe when they started talking and going on dates and seeing each other and back then the lifespan I know that from generations before the lifespan was the whole reason for expedited relationships and marriages and and childbirth but even in that that was like probably roughly 1930s 1940s that my grandparents started dating that it was based on just needing a man for financial purposes marrying young starting a family just that very cookie cutter style of life depending on a man they work you're you stay at home they fit the bill 120 percent my grandma never learned how to drive she never learned she she was a stay-at-home person I think she worked a little bit I think she's worked at like little retail stores and stuff she didn't finish school she stayed at home she was cooking cleaning taking care of the kids once they got married and and she was absolutely in love with being a stay-at-home mom and taking care of her husband. She found her purpose and the values and her values and my my great-grandpa's Italian values meant exactly that, like right on key for each role that a person plays in a family. So that generation, and I'm not saying that my grandma used my my great-grandpa for money, but during that time, a lot of women didn't have the ability in generations before they didn't have as much ability to work or they figured that only one person has to work obviously there's a lot of more equity and e- equality in today's society but back then that wasn't that and they chose to be that and she was happy like my great grandma was so content for the most part she never really complained I didn't hear any of the complaints anyways she might have had a better connection with my mom talking to her about it I don't know if she was fully happy but she she definitely honed in on who she was in her role in a family caretaker role, right? And then from there, in my grandma's generation, so she was very hippie, like she had hitchhiked across country, she did all the things, and my grandpa actually, he's from England, he had found his way here and then hitchhiked from California to New York, and he, he was a hippie too, for him, he was actually already engaged to somebody, but then he had met my grandma, according to her stories, and I love hearing anyone's stories about their past, that she, that he had went back to wherever and he had broken off his prior engagement to be with my grandma. But same thing, this is kind of where, and then my grandma and grandpa both worked their butts off, and they actually, they formed a family together. My grandpa was working late nights, but my grandma would come home from her her day job and cook and clean still. There was still that those Italian values passed on from my great-grandparents, that she had to be the one to do things. There wasn't much equity or equality there, even though they both worked long days, that she was still in charge of the kids and cooking and cleaning. 
and just being, I guess, like, dependent on each other, but in different ways. And I I can guarantee you a billion dollars that my grandma had trauma from growing up in such a, a strict Italian household. So then she passed it on to my mom's generation with my grandpa. And they didn't, they probably didn't communicate as much as we would this generation. Then moving on, my mom really freaked me over. And it's not entirely her fault. I've forgiven her this year. I love my mom, and I know that she (laughs) listens sometimes, but I love her. But a lot of what had been jam-packed from generations beforehand really impacted her. And I had not much to base my myself off of if that makes sense and I'll go into a little bit more detail so from the jump I know I've talked about this before my mom had the the night I was conceived was with my mom's one of her close best friends they never dated it was a Halloween night and then here I am I appear my mom tried I guess to date my dad it sounded like But it didn't work out, so towards the end of her pregnancy for me, she had met another man, which is my my little sister's dad. And for whatever reason, he chose to date a pregnant woman and be involved with my life. So he was someone that was there when I was born and became my dad. Again, my mom kind of broke the generational get married, have kids, the, the generic way. So... That was already probably off-putting for my grandparents. That she, you know, had to get out of wedlock and it wasn't even, like, the person she was with wasn't actually my dad and yada, yada, yada. Because of her, probably her childhood trauma, her experiences, generational trauma, all of that. But here I am. Um, Through, and then, you know, like, cutting to the chase, I had witnessed a lot of tumultuous situations, the fighting. My parents were young. They were 22, 22, 23 when I was around, you know. And I remember more when my sister was born when I was like four or five. They were still in their 20s, right? So they were still experiencing life. My mom was like a more long-term commitment person. And I know they fought behind closed doors, but there was a lot of times where my sister and I had witnessed her dad and my mom fighting and saying things and not being faithful and then when their relationship ended and he was out of my life personally or even when he was you know like he found a different woman he would he used to bring my sister and I to his mistress's houses so we can hang out with their kids while he does it's just like really nasty stuff was going on I had actually walked in and saw my sister's dad with another woman when I was in first grade there's things that are very traumatic that are still in my brain And then, you know, my mom had to carry us and deal with all of that depression and trauma that she was experiencing within this relationship. But we were witnesses, so I didn't really know what a loving relationship looked like. Unfortunately, I I would go see my great-grandma and grandpa all the time, and they looked like a good relationship, but I wasn't around it enough as I am with, or as I was with my mom. And then my grandpa had passed, my grandpa Smith, with my grandma he had passed when I was five so I didn't get to really witness a long time that was memorable for a healthy relationship so 
So I, I don't have any recollection of those. But all I can remember is the trauma and the stuff that my mom was experiencing in her relationships. Because then after her and my sister's dad broke up, she, obviously as a young woman, I think in her early 30s when they finally broke up, she would go on dates and she was getting drunk, so that was a little dramatic. Um, but she would bring men home and one of the things she would tell us is that they were our cousin. She would tell me and my sister that they were our cousins probably to make it seem like, oh, I'm just having a friend over. A little weird. I don't know. But we weren't stupid. We, we knew that that was like her boyfriend or something, but there was a few of those. And just unhealthiness. Like, there wasn't long-lasting things. And then just like the amount of things that had come up of my mom's past that she was dealing with. Like, she had a, a very scary boyfriend even before I was conceived that, you know, there's just like a lot of stuff in the background that I picked up on as I got older. She did, however, meet my stepdad, and I love him with my whole heart, but one thing that I had never had shown for me or anything modeled for me was communication. A lot of, like, he was great. He was physically there. He was loving. He was fun. We had such a fun childhood with the things I remember. But when they would get in fights, he would scream. He would threaten to leave. He would slam the door. Like, he, he would throw, like, a childhood ch- tantrum. And my mom would be sad, and they would fight, and they would fall over my stepsister, and they fought over us kids in general. Their money. I knew all about their money issues from a young age, which is a lot of trauma on me, right? As a child, not, like, worrying about money. Um, and then they didn't communicate, and they would just blow over, and, like, obviously... That was just my version of what I've seen. I didn't know if they communicated behind closed doors, but that was what was modeled to me. If someone's mad, you walk out, you leave. And that's not healthy. But that's what I thought was my norm. So even when I got older and I started going through um, puberty and changing, I too would slam doors and walk out of the house and scream because that was what was modeled for me. I never saw any healthiness ever. Even with my mom, with my grandma, like there was just no healthiness in the communication in our whole family. People would just, like, cold shoulder the Italian style, like, be stubborn, not talk, be upset if they were confronted. There was a lot of sensitivity. And obviously, that went with my sister. Like, there was just a lot of unhealthy relationships. But it was our norm. So I didn't know that until current time. You know, I and then when my mom was going back and forth with her mental health issues, for me, personally... When it comes to attachment styles and relationship building, you see where you come from. You mimic what you see. So because of her on and off self in general, because of her history of trauma, again, I have forgiven my mom this year, but because of her past, I never knew what kind of, what version of my mom I was going to get. Was I going to get the loving mom that was going to come sit with me and comfort me or was I going to get the shut the F up, court, whatever, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this, and walk away from me kind of person, or I don't want to deal with this, or yell at me, because I was, like, like just weird, uh, hot, and cold, so I never knew what version of my mom was going to get, and I'm sure a lot of people felt that same way, because of her mental health issues that she never spoke about, we were very unclear, she just always told us she was sick, and it was, like, almost like, um, Munchausen's, like, we thought she had Munchausen's, like, she was always telling us she was sick, or she was a germaphobe, or agoraphobe, you know, just all the things, 
and we kind of judged her because my stepdad didn't have the intellect to tell us kids what was actually going on, nor did they probably communicate, nor did he understand what she was going through. So my mom was very, like, dealing with a lot of stuff silently. That still impacted us, whether she knows it or not. And I've talked to her about that this year. So my attachment style from the beginning was very anxious avoidant. I would, very, I would cling on to people because I was so anxious of abandonment and issues because of the abandonment I had experienced in my past. But even that was in my present, too. That there was abandonment even with the, the, the care I had at home because I never had a, a, an, an emotional conversation with my stepdad. He was the fun guy. He was the deal with it. He was, it's not that big of a deal kind of person. And my mom, you know, like I said, she would either help me or hurt me. So I didn't really have anything stable. I had witnessed a lot of other people's relationships too, you know, like my friend's parents, and there was healthy ones, and there was not healthy ones, and I had absorbed everything I was learning, right? So that had become my current self, or myself, that was at the beginning of this year, up until I was this prime age of, or I was 20, I guess I was 27, when I started this journey in-depthly. So, because of the lack of communication and the things that I have been blinded by because of my past, I decided that this year I really had to figure things out and get to the bottom of my inability to have long-term relationships for myself. I am a 28-year-old woman, and I've had approximately two extremely short-term relationships the longest one was apparently three months when I was in high school but I even blocked it out because I got cheated on in that but I never fully commit to people because I have a fear of losing them and that was something I had to go internal with because I it was so quick and I was so easy to blame it on my dad issues right like oh my dad's abandoned me both of them and then my father figure my grandpa died so it was easy to blame it on attachment and abandonment. But I didn't really understand who my true model was. In my, it was my mom. So I had a lot of anger towards her this year when I got to the bottom of what I was blocking from my head. So <clears throat> I had finally, to get to this point, I had finally taken a year off or took, had finally taken my friend's advice to take a year off from dating for the healing purposes to really look inward. And a lot of them didn't think I was going to be able to do it because I would do this thing where I would say I'm taking a hiatus for men and then I would be ta- talking to somebody new and be like, I'm just talking. But that was interfering with my healing. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. lots was laid out. And I had learned, like I just said, that I'm anxious avoidant. So I either grip on to somebody that I shouldn't or I abandon or avoid those that could be better for me because whatever had been in, in me, like eter- internally, was telling me that I didn't deserve what I really do deserve. Or I would grip on to things because I, I would want the other person to be worse off than me. I had people that were emo- emotionally unavailable that had more attachment and abandonment issues and emotional unavailable just so I could try to help them because I was trying to fix them in order to fix myself or whatever way but then I would miss out on really good people that really cared about me and that would love me and that would take care of me and that would be probably really good life partners that I needed but I wasn't ready yet 
So up until up until this point, I didn't, or up until this year, I didn't take the time to actually learn that. I know people were trying to help me, but I was avoidant. I wasn't ready to be on that part of my journey. Even though I was already doing self-help and going to therapy and everything, I wasn't ready for this entire portion because I really had to go inward about my mom because a lot of this is from my mom. I love you, mommy. She knows. She knows. I've ta- I talk to her about this every all the time. So because of my trauma and because of my true model, because I looked up to my mom. She was a single mom for a lot of my childhood. And I thought, you know, like just en- like any other kid, our parents are our, our heroes. So she was my guide. She was the person I looked up to. Like, oh, my gosh, she did everything on her own, even with all these men shitting on her and not taking care of her. And she got out of this. But I neglected to really understand that she had parts in all of this journey, too that she had unhealed wounds, that she harmed people, that her depression became her crux, and that's okay. She's going through her own journey now, but I really looked up to somebody that wasn't the healthiest, and that's where I had to do all of this internal work. I had to finally be able to see that from a perspective and thanks to my therapist for really pointing that out because I put my mom on a pedestal like I'm talking pedestal I did not see any wrong with her I praised her and as you should you should love your parents to that degree but then when I finally looked in the mirror what was really what I was really modeling in my relationships it was from her because I had allowed for so long like my history of men is atrocious I had allowed for really shitty men that had all these issues be in control of me. I am such a control freak. I know I've talked about my anxiety and my OCD before on this podcast, but I would let them take control that I wanted to fix them, but I didn't want to lose them. So I would let them be in control in a lot what every single one of them had in common besides one. And I won't mention him because he's still great. But the rest of them would give excuse after excuse, and I would accept it. And for the longest time, I would make excuses for them, like, well, they have anxiety or depression or their mom left them or their mom's dying or their dad's an alcoholic or blah, 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 or their dad, you know, just like mommy issues, daddy issues for for days, right? And I would make excuses for them because they would tell me, and I'd be like, oh, it's okay keep walking all over me. I am your doormat. And for the longest time, I thought excuses were the truth. I thought words were the truth until one of my little sisters, hey, Michaela, she kept telling me like actions or words don't mean anything if actions don't follow and vice versa. But I really, really only believed in words because of my childhood. Actions never aligned with words. There were so many times I was disappointed because my mom would say something and she wouldn't follow through. But she loved me, right? She told me all the words. She told me how much she cared about me. She would write me notes and tell me she loves me. She would text me. She would call. You know what I mean? Like she would have all the words, but then when it came to the follow through on actions, she wasn't able to do it because of her mental health issues. But I really saw it firsthand that my mom meant like she would mean it when she would not follow through with actions that she was sorry but sometimes I know she didn't and that was her mental health issues and that was just who she was but because of that for so long I thought words and excuses 
were end all be all. I didn't even look and I didn't even look in the direction of action because I wanted because words meant so much to me. For the longest time, my love language was words of affirmation. That those, but people can lie, and until actions follow, you shouldn't. They should follow each other. There should be actions and words. And it was so devastating to have that feeling. And like there was a day that I think I called my mom and I was yelling at her. I was like, "It's because of you that I don't have somebody." It's because of you that I've learned to only listen to words and excuses and allow people to talk, like, treat me poorly because of their shit that they can't open up to or they can't fix. And I was so angry. Like, my anger finally came out, and I was, like, rude and not understanding, but I had to get to this point to to pedal backwards and really help myself. (sighs) So being so stern with my mom and telling her that, and telling myself that, like, I can't blame her because now that I've confronted the issue, how can I change that? So I've brought it up in therapy, and I've worked through a lot of understanding that dating is a risk regardless. I can't be afraid. I can't back out before it even gets started. I can't grip onto people. I can't spiral. I can't jump on them just because I'm interested in them off the bat. I will only take excuses if there's a follow-up action to fix it and that's where I'm currently at right now like um I won't say too much but you know going on dates and stuff there's been some issues where my old teenager self comes up like if someone doesn't talk to me all day because and it's not even because of the teenagehood it's part of it because I haven't had a relationship really since then but because of the history of my emotional unavailable men that I've picked if they didn't text me, that means they were losing interest. So I felt that that like that text or that call was a hit of dopamine, right? Like I was expecting that and waiting for that. But I want someone healthy, and I really do want to be healthy myself. Like I love a good morning text. I love a good night text. I love someone that is there and is communicative with how they're, hey, I'm busy today, but I hope you have a wonderful day. Or let's hang out this weekend, and that's very like action forward. The guys in my past were very, oh, I don't feel good. Uh, And then there's me, oh, let me take care of you. Oh, no, Courtney, I'm good. All that nonsense. Like, there was excuse after excuse. Like, oh, my stomach hurts or my dad, my dad's missing or something freaking stupid. And I would fall for it every time because of my, you know, the history with my mom. But (laughs) I've definitely put on some bootstraps this year and I've really confronted that until actions follow and to be patient with myself and to confront when I feel that trigger that I feel triggered like if someone's not talking to me all day doesn't mean they don't like me it means I'm an adult and we're adults and we shouldn't be fixated on the phone and if someone's actively making plans that means they're interested in be you like I get I get caught up in like texting or if I should text first and blah 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 and like it's all bullshit like just be you and do you and it's something that I have to remind myself that the people have to, like, my friends have to tell me. And every day it gets better. Like, I've felt so less anxious when I'm back. I just got back into going on dates. And I'm so proud of myself. And I have no expectations. And I'm not trying to grip on somebody or run away. And I think this is such a beautiful turnover since last year. That I've, I've seen my worth and I feel happy and I feel excited and I have so much to say, and I really just want to preach and, 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 and tell people from the top, like the top of my, like just from the top of the rooftops, take care of you, put you first, right? 
But I know that this generation, you know, just speaking like besides my own personal stuff, this generation has a lot of issues with that. There's a lot of comparing, like comparing to each other because of social media. Because in prior generations, there wasn't any of that. There wasn't the idea, like the social media comparisons, like there's grass is always greener. That is so apparent these days because of like Instagram and Snapchat and the accessibility of everybody, dating apps, like you want to keep scrolling because you want to, like there's something better. There's going to be someone better. There's like, oh, I, this conversation ran dry, so I'm going to pick a new person and that just keeps going. But what we lack in this generation, and that's why there's not a lot of follow through with each other and there's not a lot of marriages, there's not a lot of actual love, is because when the things, when something gets hard, because of the accessibility to someone better or hearing that there's always, you know, like you can find better instead of working on the issues at hand, it's easier to just go look for someone new to have that honeymoon phase and start over. And that's just not healthy. I know that social media impacts us adults thoroughly. I know that we're comparing like, oh, that person's engaged or we only see like the highlight reels. But in reality, there's a lot of shit going on behind closed doors that no one wants to speak about because it's still taboo to talk. We're trying to get to a, a vulnerable place where, and that's why I do these things. So I want to point out what I'm struggling. I want to point out what I need to fix, What like because everyone's a work in progress, right? And I think that social media has really harmed. It has helped us, but it's also very much harmed us because people have a lot to say. They have a lot of comments. They have a lot of comparisons. They want to be better. They want to look better. They want to look like this girl because then they'll get that guy. They want to be fit so they look like this person so they get that person. And it's like just be you. Somebody's going to love you for you as if you love yourself first. And that's the T. But before I start talking how to work through this dating stuff, like I want to go off a little bit about the social media stuff because not only does it impact us adults with dating, it really has screwed up our youth man why why are these kids dating and I know some of my students listen to this I don't know how many I think I would be able to be a I would be a millionaire if I had a dollar for every time I have told these kids not to date in middle school adults can't even figure it out we can't communicate right we don't know how to process through what triggers us or what hurts us or without shaming each other so how can we expect a kid to do that like Everyone is just not fully, their brains aren't fully developed. They're telling each other they love them week one. They don't hang out. They don't hold hands in school or they hang out or they're hurting their friends and there's no empathy. This current issue at school, these two best friends of years and years and years are in a fight right now because of a boy. And that person's giving, the boy's giving attention to the other, it's just a mess. And there's like attention factors needed. They feel like they need a boyfriend or a girlfriend in order to be liked or to be of status. It's like there's just not much understanding or in the, the need for validation, as we all do, but kids a little bit more, and they have so much access to what older people are doing, and, and you know, like TikTok and Instagram. It's really detrimental to them, and I think it's going to screw up this next generation unless they get out of it because I had to delete social media like five years ago when I my my frontal cortex was almost developed all anyways and I still had to take it off so I didn't compare myself or when I was dealing with my eating disorder stuff that I had to remove it and then I had to remove snapchat this year because of how much I would answer want to answer boys through text message or snap or it was mostly snap like 
that I wanted that accessibility to getting my own validation from stupid boys that I didn't need to be around me. And I would feel guilty every time I would answer. But I also needed that hit of dopamine. And that's me as an adult. So these poor kids, like they have no idea how they're messing with their brain, how they're losing empathy, how they're losing good, actual, healthy friendships because now they'd rather pick that short-term romantic-ish relationship rather than fix things with their friends. It's a lot of backwardsness, and I think as the adults in their life, we really have to take a step back and teach them the right way of things or a better way because there's no right way, but just telling them what morals are and having these discussions and taking the time to really help our kids develop and Today, I had one of my students, I really laid it on her because she was betraying her best friend for a boy. And I know it's not always my place to become like a parent in those moments, but I take teachable moments so seriously in the morals of life. And I think that betraying a friend is never, never, a boy is never worth betraying a friend. And I didn't, and I love the person and I want these girls to grow and I want these middle schoolers to grow. And I think that we have to be the guides as well as the parents at home. Like, I want to know what kind of conversations parents are having with their kids. Or I know that they listen to outside adults a little bit more, so I really take that to the next level when I speak to them. And it's out of love. I just want these kids to be better off in the future, and I know that that's going to be implemented a little bit. But we all have to work together in society to really help these kids out so they can become better adults. Um, so I guess for both teachers or as, as adults and parents and teachers and kids, like I guess what we all have in common is that we need to look inward when it comes to relationships and look, look, look backwards to see what our childhood looked like or what was mirrored for us or what was modeled for us in regards to relationships. Like, hmm, was that healthy? Do I have any idea of what healthy looks like? And then find out, what you really want especially as adults like writing down exactly what you're looking for in a partner and you don't have to have many but what are like the little things like for me I I need someone that's funny someone that's active someone that can keep a conversation that can communicate not asking for much like the like little sweet things remembering like good morning is the cutest thing ever and just holding space for whatever my partner might be going through but that, it's different for everybody. Like somebody wants like someone that has the same political values as them or different things that you really have to make sure that you know and look for and ask questions based on that. Find, and then you really should look for what your triggers are. Like what from your past has really bothered you? Lay that on the table. I'm not talking about date one. I'm saying like five dates in. Like really discuss what, what bothers you, what could be triggered, and sometimes it, it, it takes repetition. We have to repeat what our boundaries and our triggers are and work through them together because we're, we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fumble. But as, as long as we're paying attention and we're self-aware, we can really help ourselves in these journeys of dating. Um, and it, it, it does help. Like, really, I want to shout out Molly, like my friends that really, and Michaela and Maddie, that really told me to take this year off to really invest in myself so I was able to dissect all of these things and really work on me and my therapist too to write and dissect what I need for like out of dating I'm really comfortable with sharing what I'm looking for straightforward now I now know how to help myself with coping skills so really pausing and not blowing up someone's phone when they don't answer me waiting to genuinely have a conversation in person 
trusting the process, trusting that person I'm going on a date with to schedule a new date if he cancels, not comparing them to the past people like I've always done, which has screwed them over and set myself up and that person up for failure, even with that gut feeling. Trusting the gut feeling, trusting my body senses. When I cry after a date or when I cry because of a a person like right off the jump, like if I'm a month in or talking to somebody and I'm crying, my body's telling me no. And that's something I've really learned this year. Like looking back, I would always end up crying and feeling uncomfortable. Like I don't know why I'm crying or that day didn't go well. Why am I crying? My body was saying no. Because I've had a recent experience where I felt great afterwards and that I felt comfortability that I felt connected, that I felt in tuned. So it, there, it, it's out there. Like you have to help yourself and you have to experience all the experiences. I don't love to go on dates, but I'm doing it to help myself and really find my person because that is what I'm invested in for this upcoming year is I think I've worked on myself enough that I'm ready to venture out there and get started just like I have these past, this past month. Um, another thing is calming the calming the self and reminding like hey I'm just spiraling because of my past self take a step back talk to myself call somebody process things through with friends like someone a trusted person or my mom or someone to just process it instead of like going at the person because that's something I had to practice too because I would just send like automatic like angry text messages if I if I got to my breaking point like it would take me a minute then I'd be like blah 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 I just jab, jab, jab because I was already at my anger zone and that's not okay. Got to have accountability there and hold myself back from responding with anger. And then therapy. Recommended for kids, adults, teachers, everybody. Look inward. Help yourself out. Find out what can really help you create better relationships and healthy friendships and not even, yeah, like I said, like not just romantic relationships but but friendships too. Like there's so much that we have to learn because sometimes we trigger each other without even recognizing that either. And we are building ourselves every day. It is so important to give yourself that grace, to give each other that grace. And it's okay for someone to change their mind. It is okay for someone to wake up and be like, we aren't compatible. And that, and it's nothing to do with you. It just wasn't a fit. It's okay to move forward. It's okay to be sad too. Like it's going to hurt sometimes when somebody that we're really interested cuts things off. But that just leaves room. For someone new that someone is more special that's coming your way but believe in it like everything is worth the risk invest in it invest in yourself invest in the risk and that's something I've had to learn too recently like invest in the risk you have to take that you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take so try because wouldn't you rather have tried and failed than not try at all and not know because no one ever knows like going out there like every couple that you've known took a risk. They didn't know that it was going to turn into a relationship until it did. So put yourself out there. No matter how much heartache or hurt, you build yourself and you you build thicker skin and you learn things from each relationship that you have, and especially with the one with yourself. Like, I am so happy of how 2023 is wrapping up. It started off really rocky, awful, but here we are 12, 12 months later and it's it's making sense. So... I don't know if this might be the second to last episode until the next year. So I really wanted to get this out there. And I want to have these open conversations. So if anyone wants to talk about this stuff, hit me up. I got resources. I got podcasts. I got things to recommend. I have conversations to be had. 
I have suggestions to be told. I got you. But I'm really happy with the way that I've grown this year, and I hope that you allow yourself to get to this space too because it feels great. So thanks for listening to Grow Through What You Go Through, and I will see y'all next time. Bye.